In today's episode of the Writer's Corner live show, we're going to be talking to Joel McKay, a a former journalist, public sector executive, and a multi-award winning writer about his latest work. It's a novella called Wolf at the Door. Don't go away. We'll be right back. If you're just joining us, then welcome to the Writer's Corner live show. If you have not followed us before, then please do so so that you get a notification next time we go live with the Writer's Corner live show. I'm Bridgette Limbanda from Cape Town in South Africa, and our amazing guest on the Writer's Corner live show today is Joel McKay, and we'll be talking about his novella, Wolf at the Door. If you've watched the show before, then say hello in the comments, and we'd love to give you a shout out. Our stream today is made possible by Creative Edge, StreamYard, and BeLive Media. So wherever you're watching us, whether it's on Facebook, YouTube, um, Twitch, LinkedIn, also at Amazon Live, if you are watching us and over on Amazon Live, you will find that the book we're talking about, written by Joel McKay, is in the carousel. So if you want to get a copy on Amazon, um, you are welcome to also just go and join the stream over on Um, Amazon. So if you've watched the show before, you will know that we're very, very passionate about people uh, level up on their live experience because most authors are still um, sharing their books and their stories uh, online because um, I don't think everyone has fully returned to doing in-person book events yet. But either way, moving forward, it will likely be a hybrid experience. So if you are going live with your phone, we've just got one or two suggestions for you. Now, normally I know that over on Instagram and on Twitch, you would usually hold your phone um, in portrait mode, and that is the correct way to doing it. But if you are going live on Facebook, on YouTube, or any of the other platforms, a quick tip for you is to turn your phone into landscape mode. That way you've got a bigger screen real estate, you've got more space to uh, be able to use hand gestures to make it look more natural and show your book or read from your book. It just makes it a more pleasant experience. And then the other quick tip for for you, if you are going live from your phone, is to use some kind of a a tripod, you know, um, or any any device that'll stabilize your phone. It's so much more comfortable and easier than trying to hold your phone at the same time while talking and possibly trying to read your book. So anything will be a big help. And of course, if you are going live from your uh, computer, if you want to level up from that, then you could invest in a webcam. Both Mary and I use the Logitech Brio, which has got right side technology, which simply means it will adjust to your lighting conditions and you don't need to fuss too much about that. 
But speaking about lighting, what you do want to ensure is that you don't have a sharp light from behind you when you are talking about your books or um, sharing with your audience. Do ensure that you've got front-facing lighting. It makes a huge difference. And so before we welcome Joel to the show, um, I'm going to introduce my amazing friend and co-host, Mary Elizabeth Jackson. Um, Mary is a, an award-winning author herself. Um, she is also a disabilities um, she does a lot in the disability awareness world um, and her latest work is Cheers from Heaven which highlights the effects of bullying with her uh, co-author Thornton Klein. So do go check that out and I think she's also a ghostwriter. So with that, Mary, welcome to the show. Great to have you here. Thanks, Bergetti. It's really great to be here. And um, we have been doing this for over four years and absolutely love every author we get to interview. And today is no different. We're super excited about our author. And um, we can't wait to bring him on and and hear about his no his new novella. Because I'm really, it's got my, um, my interest is very intrigued and peaked about this, so. Absolutely. So for those of you who have never met Joel McKay before. Um, Joel is just a little bit about him. He's a multi-award winning writer, a public sector executive and a former journalist. Joel was also named a top 40 under 40 by the Prince George Chamber of Commerce um, and also one of the 500 most influential business leaders in British Columbia in 2021 and 2022. His published fiction includes the comedy horror novel that we're going to be talking about today. Um, and he's also done two other short stories, Number 100 and Hands. And here's a fun fact that we'll ask him about very, very briefly, is that he was also the lead editor of the first of its kind, How To for Rural Public Relations in Canada. Um, the Small Town PR Playbook, as it's called, won the Don Rennie Award for the Canadian Public Relations Society for Excellence in Government Communications. So with that, let's put your hands together and give a welcome to our author, Joel McKay. Joel, welcome to the show. Glad to have you join us today. Um, we love welcoming authors every single week and we never get tired at after, even after four years. So a hearty warm welcome to you joining us today. Oh, thanks yes, so thank much for you. having me. It's a pleasure to meet you both. Yeah, we want to dive right in. We can't wait to hear all about what you're doing and your book. And you wear many hats, you know, not a lot of times men wear as many hats as women, but I, I don't know. I think Joel's right up there. For Daddy, what do you think? He absolutely is. So I want to ask, you know, we're talking about your novella today, but you were the lead editor of the first of its kind, How to Book for Rural Publications in Canada, um, which won the Don Rennie Award, which is kind of a big deal, you know, for excellence in government communications. Um, and you've run, written two short stories. So tell us a little bit about uh, the playbook and your journey to where you are now, you know, writing your your first novella, Wolf at the Door. 
Yeah, sure. Uh, two different paths, but and and two different hats. Uh, so if we go back a bunch of years, about ten years, um, I moved to Prince George from Vancouver after uh, leaving journalism and got into public relations. And one of my roles um, that I was hired to do here for the organization I still work for was to provide um, public relations capacity to small communities throughout uh, northern British Columbia, northern BC. For those who aren't familiar, is an area the size of France. Um, but it is uh, sparsely populated. There's only about 300,000 people here, but there are many, many communities and many, many issues. And many of these communities don't have the capacity to respond to uh, big complex uh, media inquiries or engaging with their various audiences locally, uh, provincially or nationally. So my job was to, to be effectively their uh, de facto communications person for um, many Indigenous and, and non-Indigenous uh, communities throughout Northern British Columbia for a period of about four or five years. Um, as I got through that, we had some success in that program and providing those services. And it was a, a tremendous experience traveling around uh, the vastness that is, is this region. Um, and as I closed in on sort of the end of that program, I realized that there, that I felt there needed to be a legacy, that it was nice to have for these communities to have somebody they could pull in that could help them with day-to-day um, -day or even evening issues as they pop up. Um, but what would be nice is if they had an off-the-shelf uh, off-the-shelf toolbook that uh, didn't cost them any money. They could pull down when they ran into any issue, whether it is a media relations issue and a, something related to an event, something related to a news release, something related to uh, a challenge uh, that they're facing as a community. And so I came up with the idea of the PR playbook. Um, I didn't do it alone. I, I reached out to uh, expert uh, public relations practitioners in rural Canada uh, throughout uh, British Columbia. And I had more than 20 people volunteer to submit articles. And my job was, I did do some writing for it, but I was sort of the, the creator of it, the editor of it, the compiler of it, and, and eventually the publisher of it. Uh, we thought it was pretty cool when it came out. There was nothing like it that ever happened in, in the country before. Uh, we released it and um, the uh, overall sort of overall um, reception for it was a lot more positive than I ever thought it would be. I didn't think there'd be that many people interested in rural PR. Um, but uh, as you point out, it, it did win a national award. Uh, and I think that's recognition of all the expertise of the 20-something the uh, public relations professionals that contributed to it. But that's a very different hat than, you know, leading to writing a, a werewolf novella, which is sort of what brings me on your show today. <laughs> and it's an entirely different story in and of itself. Yeah, and that's our next question, actually. You're just kind of leading right into it because you touched on that you were in journalism. And, you know, so what, what do you think that that was meant to be a precursor or did you just fall into being an author and a storyteller? Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's all one path. And so I started writing when I was 12. I always wanted to be a, a, a pulp fiction novelist. I still do. That's it. That's what I want to do. But hard to make a go of that in Canada. Um, and so when I hit my my 20s, my early 20s, I went to school for journalism, got my undergrad in journalism. Um, that would give me an opportunity to uh, write full time for a living. And so I became a journalist and 
my specialty was nothing to do with with fiction or books or or the arts i i covered uh heavy industry so oil and gas and mining and forestry and those types of things on a on a global basis and i loved my work and and was successful in it uh that led to public relations and then public relations led to this role now where i'm the the chief executive officer of northern development uh which is the economic development organization for northern bc um so it's like a really kind of sideways path into writing fiction if you will but i never lost that passion i never really stopped doing it but i didn't get serious about it until i was in in this role and i think what happened was once i was at a point where i wasn't writing full time every day as a journalist or as a public relations executive um that being a ceo you know when i came home in the evenings cuz it's such a people focused job I was looking for a creative outlet and I finally had the energy um where I wasn't writing all day because when you're writing all day you don't really want to necessarily come home at night and write at least that was my experience um so when I found myself in this role where I I finally had a a different style of work um and it honed my craft a bit uh and needed that artistic outlet it led me right back to fiction which is where I have wanted to be um for the last 20 25 years um and eventually led to uh the novella and the short stories and numerous other things I'm trying to get out there that's amazing so where did the inspiration for wolf at a door come from and is it based on real life stories or is it 100% fictional fictional it is 100% fictional but it always i think with all fiction and and both of you have spoken to so many authors and and are writers yourselves probably recognize you always draw on truths from your own experience i think um wolf at the door where did the idea come from the the idea came from sort of multiple places all at once that kind of intersected and so the story there was that during the first phase of the pandemic we were all in lockdown um and um that need for a creative outlet was for myself was stronger than ever because i was trying to transition our corporation into working remotely and also being responsive to uh the needs of the region that we serve um and i found myself working at home in my basement office uh just you know starting to get creative ideas the brain just started to force me down the road of needing that outlet and um i thought to myself you know wouldn't it be fun to play with genres a bit one uh to describe um a really dysfunctional family dinner of which i can say i have experience with and anybody who's lived long enough probably does um and make it kind of funny and then uh have it turn on its head about partway through uh and become effectively a horror slasher. Um I've always kind of been fascinated and I think it's kind of funny to to set up an expectation that a book is going to be one thing and then it turns into something else and that is the case with Wolf at the Door. I think there's also an underlying theme in there that I was grappling with that I think many of us were grappling with at the start of the pandemic which is the difference between first world problems and actual problems. um and the book does kind of thematically mirror that the the first act of the book is all of the first world problems that the characters have with one another as you know family members and long histories and things that they've done um but no one would describe them as life and death problems until the werewolves show up um and that starts to put things in in relief um so there's there's a a number of things intersecting there my, my own need for a creative outlet 
um, my own twisted sense of humor, I suppose, uh, drawing on some of those past experiences and then trying to put in relief, I think, what we were all going through at that point in time, which is this transition between from um, what the world was and our day-to-day -day issues to um, actual issues, actual problems that we all had to navigate globally. Uh, it doesn't matter what our jobs were, our responsibilities were to adjust to a world of uh, plague and pandemic. Mm. So this story is extremely relatable to all of us globally, actually. So I wanna ask you, did you always want to write horror, you know, type books or are you, um, do you want to jump into a different genre and just kind of dip your toes in and see how it goes? That's a good question. Um, I've always been that kid and still am that loves scary stories. Um, they still scare me. So I'm not, I don't want to leave the impression that I'm, you know, somehow I've inoculated myself to the effects of horror. Uh, not at all. I just always been that way. As long as I, I've been alive, I, I have that thing, that love affair with that genre. But I think I have a broader love affair with genre fiction generally. Um, and I'd say my other passion is fantasy. So I'd say probably Wherever you see my writing, including what's been published to date, but also what I'm working on, you're, I'm, I'm often playing with both of them and throwing them together in different ways, right? And so um, those would be the two I play with. Um, science fiction is something that interests me, but I don't know enough about it to be really, you know, try my hand at it maybe one day. Am I going to be probably your writer that writes more contemporary lit? Probably not, because I don't think my brain would allow me to create a story where there isn't something supernatural going on. I think when it comes to my fiction, there's always going to be some kind of a supernatural element or something spooky or something going on, because that's just who I am. And I think it's, 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 you can probably both relate. Your art does reflect certain truths about yourself that you can't alter. It, it gets kind of the old saying, it is what it is. And so in, in my in my case, uh, what it is, is monsters and scary stories and, and far off worlds and adventure and fantasy and things like that. So you're a fun dad. <laughs> I try to be. Yeah, yeah. I've always, you know, when I became a, a father, I had this I idea that I always wanted to, to create a house uh, and my partner, she's very supportive of it, but uh, to have a house where, uh, wherever possible, we tried to highlight the magic of, of the world, the magic of life, um, and the importance of story uh, in all of the mediums uh, and have a good time in it, right? And embrace that and not, not have it seen as something that is weird or an oddity uh, or that makes you weird if you're a super nerd and passionate about these things, right? I grew up at a time in the 80s and the 90s where if you played Dungeons and Dragons, if you read fantasy novels, uh, you were part of the nerd crowd and just as likely to be shoved in a locker. I don't think that's the case today. I think that's changed yeah. a lot, which is great. Yeah. Um, it's the I'm cool now. It's the cool now. It's the cool now, which is also yeah. kind of funny, right? It's yeah, kind of like, is, hey, this is cool. Yeah, because yeah, I have I have kids in that arena. And so it's like, uh, you know, it, it, it is the um, and the thing, it, you know, I think nerd gets just so now they now they talk about it. You know, I'm a nerd and, and they're like they think it's a bad thing, but yet they know it's a good thing because really it means you're very smart and knowledge is power. 
Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I, when I was in university, I had some good friends who uh, were really into sports journalism, sports junkies, uh, and they've all since been successful with that and in, in their careers. But I used to point out to them because they love to make fun of me and, and my own passions for the, the more traditional nerdism. I'm like, you guys are nerds too. You're just nerdy about, you know, football and hockey. Different stuff. Yeah. It's the same thing. There's, there's no actual difference. We're all nerds about something, right? And I think if we approach life with that sort of understanding um, that we tend to all geek out on things, we just geek out on different things, um, then that should lead to a, a world of more shared understanding, creativity, and ideally people getting along. Of course, that's the optimist in me, right? And, and what yeah. I strive for, but uh, uh, not always reflected in perhaps the fiction that I write. Yeah. So, Joel, when I listened to, you know, just looking at the title of the book, Wolf at the Door, and also the storyline, um, it's something that's very relatable to most of us uh, in life in general. Because, you, know, you know, sometimes you expect one thing and then it gets turned on its head and something that you may not have wanted to invite into your life uh, at all. Was the, was the storyline sort of intentionally in, you know, meant to be relatable to the audience? Was that part of your, your goal? Yeah, yeah, it, it absolutely was. I, I wanted a story that was not out of reach of the average person, that the average person could totally connect with, which is we've all had a holiday dinner, right? Doesn't matter what part of the world you live in, you understand a holiday dinner, whatever the holiday is. And you understand that when you have a holiday dinner and you get multiple generations of family and friends together, if those people have history, um, usually there is various people or one or two people trying to manage their way through that evening so that it doesn't blow up and become a disaster that everybody talks about, but in fact becomes a successful dinner party. And so I was fascinated by the idea that, well, what if it did blow up? What if all of the, you know, all of the, the crass remarks and the histories that people have with one another and those bad behaviors, actually, it didn't go as planned. Um, and what would that look like? Um, and I thought that was pretty funny, pretty hilarious. So I created that scene and then threw in the werewolves afterwards as sort of that, again, that relief of, okay, so now you've all aired your grievances. Um, how are you going to survive this? How are you going to deal with uh, the, the hard part of uh, monsters literally coming into the house, trying to pull people apart? Um, and it, so it became a, a very different story. So yeah, it's relatable. Um, it is, you know, an average family, middle-class, um, Canadian. It's actually set here. It does, never really comes right out and say, it says it, but it is actually set here in Prince George. Uh, but you could supplant any place and, and I think it would probably be, um, fairly effective. And I think too, you know, the, the main, there are it's an ensemble cast of characters. So there are, I think, just over a dozen characters and you see multiple points of view, but the main character is is um, Char uh, Dearborn, who's the mother, the wife, uh, the one who's trying to make everything work and she saves the day at, at the end of the day. And I think that is, for me as a writer and a storyteller was, interesting in that you know i was raised by my mother i was raised by strong women i've had uh, mentors that are women and and my wife is is a, a major influence on on me and all that she's accomplished in her own career and so um i really wanted to as a as an artist experiment with putting a female character in that lead role uh who kicks ass uh and pulls it all together 
and is the is the one that maybe her dinner party didn't go quite as planned, uh, but she pulled everybody out of the, the worst that could have possibly occurred um, and works well with her partner too. Um, so all that said, um, there's a lot of, as I've said before, as you both know, there's a lot of the person that goes into the art and is reflected, though it is all completely fictional and made up and not any character is a reflection of anybody living, right? Wow. Yeah, I totally appreciate that. I mean, it's, it's, um, I liked that it's relatable to people all over, even if you said it was, you know, set where you live, but the storyline is something that people can relate to regardless of where they live. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes, absolutely. So on that note, <laughs> can you read a little bit of your, your fascinating novella to us? Sure. Yeah, I'll start with the first page. And forgive me if I screwed up. It's, it's, okay. uh, it's only 9 a.m. here and I'm working my way through my first coffee. So I'll start. Yeah, with and it's live. So everything's yeah, live. okay. Well, we'll, we'll give it a shot. So here we go. Uh, chapter one, the master bedroom. Who do you invite? Char Dearborn hesitated before she answered her husband. She worked the tiny gold clasp on the necklace she wanted to wear to dinner, using the nails of her index finger and thumb to pry it open. She used this little extra time to think about how best to answer the question. Well, Tommy and Charlotte, your brother Dan, your parents, Craig and Amy, Mike and Marlene, Randy, and you and me. The clasp closed, and she set the necklace against her chest, admiring it in the mirror. It was one her grandmother had passed down to her, 24 karat gold with wide links woven to look like lace. She didn't like to wear it when mom was around. It annoyed Char's mother that Gran had skipped over her daughter and given it to Char instead. She shouldn't be so secretive. It was Gran's choice, but that's the way it was. Mike and Marlene, really? Doug said, tucking his crisp button up shirt into navy blue slacks. Char had moved into the ensuite and was applying eyeshadow. Yes. They're our best friends and always good for a story or two. Your best friends. If I have to listen to one more of Marlene's work stories, I'm going to take a walk down to the river and, I don't know, build a raft and drift away or something. She goes on and on. Find some way to turn every comment you make into a story about her, said Doug, sliding a brown belt through the loops in his pants. She struggles with self-confidence, honey. That's all. Besides, you like Mike. He likes to fish like you, Char said, applying lipstick. Thank you. That really um, drew me in, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I have to ask you, do you have plans of turning your book into an audio book? Because that sounded really good. Uh, no, not at this point in time. Um, maybe one day. I mean, if there's enough interest there then from audiences. I mean, I haven't even gone down and tried to explore that path. But yeah, I mean, it might work that way. I'd need somebody better than me <laughs> to, to do that. Who knows what we doing. know somebody. See, there you go. Right on. Harry Shepard, yes, he's the do. bomb. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. So Joel, what's next for you? Uh well, um, first and foremost, being a dad and trying to be a good one. It's my oldest daughter's eighth birthday today. So today um, on, on the list of next things is to get through my work day and and have a good time at her birthday party tonight. Uh, but beyond that, um, keep my day job because I still need it, uh, as many writers in, in Canada and parts far afield still do. And and then, you know, in those moments between being a father and, and doing what I do in my day job, keep writing. And, and as a writer right now, 
I've got a number of short stories that are out on submission and one novel that is fantasy, it's high fantasy, uh, that is completed and I actually have to get back to and try to edit into a second draft. Um, and the longer it goes, I just find that I'm I'm struggling to find the enthusiasm to go back and, and edit it. So I'm going to have to get on that. And then I'm in the midst of writing a science fiction noir detective uh, novel as well. So I'm kind of all over the place. Um, so we'll see where it goes. And hopefully, you know, whatever comes out of it, it will be as meaningful as writing Wolf at the Door and some of the short stories. And uh, hopefully it'll, they'll find their audiences eventually too. Thanks very much, Joel. And to our audience out there, thanks very much for joining us. If you are watching us over on Amazon Live, um, the book by Joel called Wolf at the Door, which we, we spoke about, is in the carousel there. So please feel free to uh, to grab a copy of that book. And if you've just joined and you've missed the interview, do go back and watch the replay. We talked about Joel, Joel's journey as an author in general and a bit about the book Wolf at the Door. So thanks very much, very much everyone for joining us live. And thanks also to you if you are catching this show on the replay. We'll see you back next week, same time same space um, with another episode of the Writer's Corner live show. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.